0: There was never thought in my mind as a young man growing up that I'd be able to own a sports company, a franchise, a team. Like sure. that's not That was something that was totally out of reach for people <laughs> in my neighborhood and yeah. people like me. I own a sports league. I just thought, man, wouldn't it be great to give other people opportunities to own not only a sports franchise, but own a piece of a league that normally wouldn't have those opportunities, right? And so equity crowdfunding became available which allows non-accredited investors. means you don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. You don't have to be accredited through the SEC to invest into a company. And those are the people that I want to give the opportunity to own this league, right? Those are my fans. Those are former fighters. Those are coaches. Those are gym owners. They're veterans. Those people that that aren't SEC accredited with millions of dollars, let's give them an opportunity to own a piece of a sports business. And and not only a
1: franchise, but the league. Jesse, you're the founder of Elite Amateur Fight League, man. Thank you again for taking time and, and joining me for a second time on my podcast, man. Man, I love, I love your podcast. Love being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Like, like I said, we spoke last June for the Top Rated MMA show. It was like right in the middle of this whole COVID thing, of course, which essentially yeah. put a halt to all live MMA events, at least until the end of 2020, you started to kind of see them pop in and out. But how did that COVID affect you guys in the EFL for the rest of 2020 since we last spoke?
0: Yeah, man. Well, it's affecting everybody in different ways, but it's affecting everybody, right? When yeah. when you have a big broadcast deal like the UFC, uh, you know, you're able to to have an event and not worry about ticket sales. Totally. But for guys uh, in my position, where ticket sales are probably, you know, forty percent of the revenue stream, uh, it's hard to have a live event and be profitable uh, without having fans in. And I think that's been the biggest change for us. Is we really had to adapt. We had to figure out, all right, how do we have events and, and not lose money, uh, you know, to make sure that we, we continue to operate as a business. And it was, it's all about content and and content sales and broadcast deals. And uh, we've researched everything, or not that we've researched it, but we've we've been involved in talks with everything from OTT platforms. Uh, we've talked, you know, all the way through ESPN and and the Zone and all these guys that have these platforms to host events. And so uh, the silver lining behind this whole thing is we probably don't have those conversations if COVID didn't happen. We would have just continued along our uh, ticket sales model, looking for a broadcast deal in the future. But the COVID situation made us look for a broadcast deal now, and it's
1: really helped. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. And obviously you guys have sponsorships. How did they react to the lack of events? I mean, obviously they probably understood, but that does affect kind of the money. Were they continuing to pay for sponsorships even through the year when you guys weren't doing events?
0: Uh, well, you know, with sponsorships, all of our sponsors were uh, event-based, right? So if we were having an event, we'd sign a sponsorship contract with somebody and then we would put out content uh, to engage their, their, you know, their marketing goals. Yeah. And without events, it's tough to re-sign sponsors. And on top of that, man, this whole sponsorship scenario is, is basically shuttered, right? They, they, they don't want to take the risk in sponsoring things that may not happen. Yep. And so we, we, couldn't, we couldn't really honestly give anybody a full season schedule. So it's tough to close sponsorships when you can't tell them we have events on A, B, C, and D date, yeah. you know, for them to really commit. And I understand that and they're partners of ours. So I wasn't trying to force anybody's hand or make anybody pay for something that wasn't 100% uh, locked in. Yeah. So, you know, with our sponsors and, and, and with our partners, you know, we took the route of, you know, let's, let's guarantee things for them so that they're comfortable. And so we had to really pass off our sponsorships until we knew we were going to have events or until we knew we had broadcast dates. And, and with that being said, you know, we, we have a huge line of broadcast dates lined up and then we see sports regional networks so where we can give our sponsors the opportunity through 320 air dates, 100, uh, 1,280 commercial placements. To reach a broad band of fans across eight NBC Sports regional networks across the country. So, you know, with that, we know those are happening because those events are in the can. We know they're produced and we know they'll be on television. So that's really where our sponsorships geared towards right now is the broadcast end of what we do.
1: Gotcha. And, you know, and we're here in we're 2021. It seems like events are starting to pop back up every once in a while here and there. You guys have season four coming up. What does that season four look like? Are you guys going to be doing any traveling or are you guys going to kind of host that one location like you were maybe thinking of before and then flying folks in?
0: Well, season four changed uh, considerably about five different times. Right. Between sure. the start of COVID and now, right? So <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it seems like it changes every two months, our, our plans. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we have to adapt. We have to make it work. Uh, initially, all of our seasons, we've always had a home team, right? We've had Illinois fight in Chicago against Indiana we had Virginia fight against Florida in Virginia and that's kind of our model is to go to where we have a home team to draw on the fans and bring a visiting team to compete yeah and uh during this COVID thing the fact is is all these states operate on different levels one state says you could have an event one state says you could have one but no fans another state says you could have one but only 20 people could be in a room at a time right so (laughs) the they're all very different. Yeah. So for us to be able to travel and have the same product in every location, it's not gonna happen, yeah. right? So then we thought, well, let's bring everybody to one location that we know we can operate out of. And, and that's great, but let's be honest, MMA fans in Florida don't care if California is fighting Arizona and Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> totally. right? So so there's there's no ticket sales, even though you can sell tickets in Florida at this time. So you know we have to really have a broadcast deal in line for us to make money on that type of event. So that, that was the initial switch was let's go to, let's go to one place. And then we started breaking the numbers down and we were even ready to commit to doing it it, as long as we had good sponsors. And we had sponsors involved that were willing to do it, but it just, the the model seemed a little flawed with the fact that there wouldn't be local interest. Yeah. So then we thought, well, let's, let's find a couple of places that are operational where we can have a Midwest event, a Southern conference event, a West coast conference event and kind of bring those four teams into their into the region and yeah. that'll help us with with travel costs it'll build up some some fans you know in those regions that possibly commit to come to the show and and that's kind of where we are today where i think we're going to have three different regions this year we're going to bring all the teams in those regions to those locations but we have the same story right we, we don't we don't know that those states are going to allow us to have events when they're scheduled other than florida all the other states are iffy I know Iowa's allowing events, but I've heard, that, you know, through the grapevine that they may be shutting down. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, Indiana is allowing permits, but the last permit that was issued didn't happen, uh, so that may not happen there. Uh, Arizona is open again, but may be closing. Like there's, there's all these maybes. Yeah. So the the real opportunity right now is probably having a live event in Florida that's not tournament based, meaning gotcha. we're gonna build Team Florida with Team Florida fighters they're going to fight their way in to be on team Florida. And that way everybody's local. We don't have to worry about traveling people in and, and these guys fight their way in. It's no longer just going by record. Cause as you know, in MMA records sometimes are a little padded. You've got yeah. a guy that's seven and oh and has had, you know, seven 32nd fights against guys he should beat. And another guy that's five and three, but he's fought everybody tough in his division. The seven and zero guy isn't always necessarily better. So, you know, to give them a fight-in scenario, I think, really strengthens teams Florida, right? We're going to get the best guys because they're going to fight their way in. And we'd like to use that model across the country.
1: Man, that's so rad. I think that's an amazing concept. I think people need to uh, – I mean, I'm hoping that people, like, open up – the states open up and allow these MMA events. I know I hear in Idaho, they're telling us, hey, you can't have over 50 people. Uh, I've heard of possible, you know, larger things happening later, but then, like – if I go out into town right now, nobody's wearing a mask. We were like, what's COVID? You know, like Costco out here is the only place that requires a mask. And we're like, whatever, man, we're just going to keep rocking and rolling. And, and literally there's very few people that wear masks in this area and and really takes it serious. Uh, even though there is a mandate in town that they're supposed to be enforcing, the police officer came out and said, yeah, we're not enforcing nothing. You know? So it's like, there's definitely those States that are, some are like overly cautious. Some are like, yeah, laid back, like maybe us or Florida. And then you got those ones that are like, well, maybe if you do this, put 20 people. Ahead. I mean, as right. a business owner, like what's going through your mind, man? we are like, can we just get this together, man? <laughs> like, how do you get right. through those days, man?
0: <laughs> it's tough, man. It's, it's, it's super tough for guys in my position that don't have any SPN deal, right? Yeah. Just because the, the amount of costs that regulations place upon a business just to operate in this current environment it's, it's gonna cost me probably a third to to even, you know, God, God knows how much, it depends what state we're in, what state sure. we're talking about. It could yeah. be double the amount to have an event in a certain state and some states have less regulation and, and it, it'll cost nearly the same with a little bit extra cost for COVID testing. But uh, it's tough from the business perspective to really plan anything because it yeah. changes so often. yeah uh, you, you can lock in a date in a venue and even pull an event permit and that event permit can go away uh, really quickly, right? If things change or totally. the numbers change in that area, down to the county. Like it's not even just the states. Yeah. Some of these counties are locking down. And let's say we booked in a county that all of a sudden is a COVID hotspot, it's in the red, and they say, hey, I know you pulled an event permit. I know you booked a venue. I know you flew everybody here, but guess what? You can't have your event. And, you know, so it, there's just a kind of risk in operating in these, in,
1: in this current time. Yeah. yeah, And it's tough for guys like me to, you know, get through this. Man, one of the things I love about your guys' league is you actually allow people to become an owner. Like, literally, people can own part of your league, man. This is so rad. And for those who don't know about this, you know, what's that process look like? How can they get involved and become an owner of EAFL?
0: Yeah, so one of the goals I had is, is you know, me, I, I'm a South Chicago-born kid. Uh, you know, grew up uh, in – we didn't start as a poor neighborhood, then the steel mills shut down. Okay. And, and the whole neighborhood loses their job. we end up going from a, a middle-class neighborhood to a poor neighborhood. And, and I, you know, I didn't see the opportunity in those neighborhoods until I joined the Marine Corps and saw the rest of the country and the rest yeah. of the world on how things, how things were. I was, I was kind of confined to my little small pocket of, of Chicago. And uh, you know, so I always grew up being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur mindset. And there was never thought in my mind as a young man growing up that I'd be able to own a sports company, a franchise, a team. Like sure. that's not, that was something that was totally out of reach for people <laughs> in my neighborhood and yeah. people like me. And uh, you know, through turn of events and, and life experiences, I, I was able to, to work my way into this scenario where, you know, I, I own a sports league and uh, I just thought, man, wouldn't it be great to give other people opportunities to own not only a sports franchise, but own a piece of a league that normally wouldn't have those opportunities, right? And so equity crowdfunding became available, which allows non-accredited investors, means you don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. You don't have to be accredited through the SEC to invest into a company. And those are the people that I wanna give the opportunity to own this league, right? Those are my fans, those are former fighters, those are coaches, those are gym owners, they're veterans. Those people that, that aren't SEC accredited with millions of dollars, let's give them an opportunity to own a piece of a sports business. And, and not only a franchise, but the league. And so we really dove into this equity crowdfunding regulation CF, uh, found a WeFunder, which uh, is a SEC approved website that allows you to legally raise money and offer equity to uh, to this type of investor. Uh, our minimum investment's $300, right? It's not thousands of dollars. It's a, You don't have to have a million dollars in a bank. We don't require you to buy 20%. Like you could invest in this company for as little as $300 own equity in a national televised mixed martial arts league and become an owner. Like, I don't know that there's another league in the country that allows you to do that. And, right. and we're really proud. We're one of, you know, we're, we're probably one of few in the world that, that allow that.
1: Man, that is so cool. And definitely people need to jump on that for sure. Uh, curious. Like if, cause you've been running this for a while, like, through COVID, did you see a drop in investors or an increase in investors, like trying to step up and help you guys through that? Or, you know, where did you, where did you see that investor side of things go during this COVID lockdown?
0: Yeah. So early on, uh, you know, when we launched, it was, it was January of uh, 2020. Okay. Right. So right before the shit hit the fan, of course. (laughs) And, and, and we raised an immediate, like $50,000 pretty darn quickly. Yeah. And, uh, And then, the covid happened people started you know having to not work and and regulations shutting down jobs and it really slowed down during the covid time frame mm. uh, while the investment slowed down the interest number slowed down we were getting right. tons of questions tons of man, you know that that sounds great when when does the round close you know i, I want to make sure i'm in a good position for myself to be able to invest I, you know everybody was hoping to get back to work and hoping to have more money and and no one knew when this thing was going to end or how long it was going to go. Yep. So the interest was always there, but the investment slowed down. Gotcha. And so, you know, we raised all the way through January of 2021 this year. And uh, and th- then we shut the investment down. And uh, we did pretty well. We're, we're at about $100,000 of investment. Uh, I think 120 something investors during that time frame, timeframe. And, uh, and we were going to close it. But then we started getting emails hey you know i still want to invest things are turning around <laughs> like the people that couldn't invest back then yeah. are going to be able to invest now yeah and so we decided to open the investment back up but on top of that uh we realized for us to, to have some longevity uh, we needed some we also needed to carry some serious investment yeah. so uh we also launched ourselves on a platform uh that has accredited investors along with our opportunity to offer the opportunity to non-accredited investors right So uh, we're raising on both for both accredited investors and non-accredited investors. If you wanted my preference, I'd rather have a thousand non-accredited investors give me a dollar than one accredited investor give me a thousand dollars. And that's that's just an accredited investors. I'm sorry, but that's that's how I feel. Uh, I want (laughs) fans to own it. I want fighters to own it. I want veterans to own it. Uh, You know, I'd love this to be a fan owned sports league. And that's what we are. And, uh, you know, we're just real happy with with what
1: we're doing. What are you seeing in regards to like marketing the league right now and marketing this opportunity to own the league? Are you doing this on Facebook or just on website or is it word of mouth? Uh, um, there's a new app called Clubhouse if you haven't been on there, but the Clubhouse is amazing too. and And I've seen a lot of awesome things happening through that app as well.
0: yeah. So mainly through social media. okay. And, and the problem you know being is normally we get a lot of word of mouth and a lot of industry talk about what we're doing because we'd be having live events month over month and it would just organically grow inside the industry yep. into the fan base and then through broadcast. Uh, but because we're, we're so limited on what we can do with live events, that organic growth has been slow. So we've turned to social media to really get the word out there. And, um, and that's, you know, we're plus our air dates uh, of our past seasons on NBC sports, regional networks, those help, Sweet. Uh, you know, but once we get up and running and, and, and really, have a season planned and solid dates uh, we know we need to spend more money on marketing we're getting it out there and market it a bit more uh, but you know we need to make sure we have a full tank of gas to get to the end totally and so we're yep. being smart with uh with the money we have uh to run the league uh we're going to continue to grow organically we're going to continue to market but on a modest level to make sure that, that that we're along for the for the long haul it's it's my duty to my investors to make sure this thing's successful and yeah. if, if I go and empty the tank now, uh, you know, we're just not going to make it
1: to the end. Right. Yep. And that's I mean, definitely, that's one of the unique things that you guys do out there compared to anyone else that's doing this sort of tournament style amateur fighters. And I haven't seen many out there. No one's doing seen
0: tournament them. style national yeah. amateur fighting except for us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like, cause I was trying to like, think I was like, I don't know if I've ever come across anyone else doing a, a tournament stuff like that. So I just think what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. And, you know, it highlights so many awesome up and coming fighters and even fighters that have gone through your league. I've had on my show now as professionals and now being yeah. very successful and they talk nothing but amazing stuff about how you guys treated them and how you guys do things. And so it just props to you, man, for doing this thing. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, we're really proud of those
0: athletes. Right? Yeah. And so one thing that we do different that, that I'm going to tell you no other regional or amateur promoter does yeah. is you'll notice that promoters will post about a guy or a poster or mention a guy when they're about to fight in their organization and mainly to sell tickets to their show, right? That, that's why they post. Yep. That's not what we do. Our, our goal is further than that. We've got guys that have fought for us who've moved on to, to other opportunities in the professional ranks and either, even other amateur events. And we'll continue to promote them regardless if it's selling a ticket to my event or not. My job is not to just sell tickets to my event. my event. My my job is to promote the fighter, help him grow his fan base, help him be a legitimate professional so that he has more value when he becomes a pro and goes to the pro leagues. That's truly what, my, what our goal and what our job is as a promoter, we actually promote our fighters. We just don't promote our events. We yeah. promote our fighters, and we're we're really. If you look around, we're the only ones promoting a guy outside of our event. You know, most of these guys are promoting only for their event, and I think that's what sets us apart. And that's why you, you hear a lot of good things from the fighters that have competed for us before, is because we don't stop, man. We keep we 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 do our own podcasts with these guys. We make sure we grow their fan base. Uh, in two thousand in two thousand twenty as bad as the, the the fight market was, I mean, we we had alumni fighters fight during that time frame. We those guys, our top ten alumni, went fifteen and zero in Come 2020. On. So, of course, we're gonna you know we're gonna get on that. We're gonna promote the hell out of that and 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 do whatever we can to grow their fan base. But people need to know that it didn't yeah. happen in my promotion. But I wasn't shy to say it. Like yeah. I'm just really proud of these talented fighters who put everything on the line that at some point got in the cage for me. That means yeah. I should continue to promote for them in the future.
1: Man, that's so good because you don't see anyone else doing that. It, like you said, they all promote just for the event. And rarely do you see anybody say, hey, thanks for checking us out. Unless it's like, you know, somebody's like, hey, he signed his debut to the UFC. But then it's like, okay. But like, yeah, yeah rarely do you see the promotion that you guys do for fighters, even when they're not fighting for a promotion. I just want to give you props for that, man. I think that's really, really awesome. Thanks. Last question for you. What are you most excited about right now?
0: man i'll be honest the, the, the most exciting thing we have going on right now is the fact that live sports content is more valuable than ever before yeah right we we all seen the loss of sports content in 2020 and and what what the fans did what the fans the way the fans supported sports right when it came back on tv everybody watched uh, the ufc strong leader in the whole sports industry i mean what dana did was was Needs to be spoke about. I mean, he, totally. he he totally didn't, you know, did what he needed to do to make sure that his sport continued to broadcast and to operate, right? Dana just didn't create the UFC. Dana created this whole sport, like the sport of MMA, doesn't it? Doesn't exist without a Dana White. And then for him to, you know, basically outwit, outplay, outlast the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, for him to be on top of that pile. Is just a testament to, to not only the sport, but to what he's doing with it. And so, and what it did is, it made MMA uh, a sport that people knew could operate within COVID. It made them, it gave us a guideline on how to do it safely. And and to host an, M- an MMA event, we don't need hundreds of people like they do with Major League Baseball and with football. We can do it with with the you know the 20 fighters in house, the 20 coaches that come with them, our broadcast team, and a venue. Uh, and then be able to broadcast it out and keep it really, really safe. And, uh, and that's what Dana, I mean, he's a leader, man. He, he's led all of us to what we need to do to have a successful, safe, live event during COVID. And because of that, now MMA and sports content is more valuable than it was before COVID. And that's what makes me most excited.
1: Come on, man. That's awesome, dude. Jesse, it was so good to catch up with you, man, and hear what's been going on. And, man, such an honor to always have you on my show. Looking forward to a continued success with EAFL, man. Keep kicking butt, man. I so appreciate taking the time. Man, love being here and stay safe out there, brother. Uh, You as well, man. You as well. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.